sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. And welcome to Spooky Sundays, everyone. Your spooky paranormal show with all the stories, all the gossip, and two naughty old aunties. How you going, Auntie Nada? I'm fine, Auntie Anne. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I've, apart from losing my voice, I've had that cold for two weeks and it's just about left. And uh, I'm just, I'm a bit hoarse. <laughs> Okay, right. So, yeah, I uh, lose my voice very quickly, which some people seem to be happy about. But mm. but we, we have been talking a lot this afternoon, haven't we? We have. Mm. We have. We've been working hard. Mm-hmm. Getting things done, getting, re- getting things ready so that you guys can still listen to Spooky Sundays on a Sunday evening while we are busily guiding our tour group through New Orleans. Yes, this time next week we will be in NOLA, which stands for New Orleans, Louisiana. And we will be staying at a nice little commune. (laughs) So Renata tells me. I didn't know that when we booked it. (laughs) No wonder it was cheap. Yes. Mm. <laughs> but it is on the edge of the French Quarter and we'll be able to... We'll be living on the edge, Anne. We, <laughs> we will be living on the edge until we get ourselves into the Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. And then that'll be a little bit nicer. But then a it gets posh. even betterer when we go to the Hotel Provincial. Oh, Provincial. Yes. Is that one of those fancy hotels where they have someone outside that opens the doors for you? Probably not. I'll have to open up the door for myself. I'm not it for you. <laughs> Do you have a paranormal news of the week for me, Renata? Yes, I have a paranormal Ooh, news of the week. And this is that. actually, um, interestingly enough, about some of the places we're going to be going to. Oh, fancy oh, that. In that area. Are we just going to okay. tease people, are we? Yes. I'm trying yes. to find my mobile phone to make sure I haven't got <laughs> it switched on. Never mind. So a self-confessed ghost hunter living in America's most haunted city has revealed some of her most spine-chilling encounters with those from beyond the grave. And her name is Inoka Inoka Edenfield, and she's 42, and she's a lover of all things spooky. Do you know at the age of 42, they would know the meaning of life? Because... If you are a Douglas Adams fan, so you know that uh, they did program into the computers, what is the meaning of life? And the answer was 42. So I'm assuming at the age of 42, you have the answers to the meaning of life. Yeah, keep going. Are you you're done? Yep. Right, okay. Maybe. Now, Inoka, actually, oh, I'm probably saying that very wrong. Inoka. Inoka. I'll, I'll, do, I'll say Inoka. Yeah. Inoka actually runs ghost tours in the historic city of Savannah, Georgia. And the history buff says her close encounters with the city's phantoms have included feeling an invisible hand on her shoulder and even living in a haunted apartment. So Savannah has had a long history of paranormal activity with several reportedly haunted hotels, B&Bs and cemeteries, while reports of ghostly sightings are off the charts. Off the charts. So according according to Hinoka, the 19th century buildings known as Factors Row are one of the most haunted areas in the city. And she says, when you walk around, you feel like you're shoulder to shoulder with people you can't see. 
Once my dog Vash stopped to do his crouch and wiggle move while we were there. What? Like he was going to start playing with another dog. Oh, okay. Oh, I had something completely different in mind there. There was nothing there. He was playing with a ghost dog, she oh, says. Of course. Another notorious spot for ghost-hungry thrill-seekers is the Moon River Brewing Company. Founded in 1821 as the City Hotel, the restaurant it is today dines out on its creepy reputation and it was even featured in a 2009 episode of Ghost Adventures. God, that goes back a long way. 2009. I know. Wow. They're that old. They are that old. Um, I, be- I bet you there's some hair dye going on there. Oh, no, never. Mm. Just don't look at my roots tonight. Building no, owners have maintained the original stonewalled basement with the unchanged interior adding to the spot's weighty aura. And visitors have shared TikToks recounting their experiences saying hello to its many ghosts, including gambler James Stark, who was shot there in 1832, or the little boy named Toby, oh, rumoured to haunt its halls. Inoka says... Moon River is a well-known spot for paranormal investigators for a reason. It's very active with ghosts, and when you step inside, it feels like you're stepping back in time. On one visit with a food blogger friend, Inoka said, fancy being a food blogger. Wouldn't oh, that be good? That would not be good for us, Renata. Mm. But oh. although we're going to do that while we're over there. We are. We are going to take our um, all the camera we're actually on live tonight. We're going to take that with us and we're going to capture our reactions to certain foods mm-hmm. and we'll post it on YouTube. Yes, yes. So Inoka said the manager welcomed them in by telling them all about the woman in white. There is always oh. a woman in white, isn't there? But what's that theory that um, it's because the, it's, the reason it's white is because the energy is fading and it's losing... Yes. The details. I yes. like that. That's really good. Also, Renata, mm-hmm. for those people I'm watching on YouTube, I apologise profusely. She is holding the sheets directly in front of her face. Go on, keep going. Uh, one night, the manager was upstairs getting something from storage when he heard the woman crying. He thought it was his <coughs> co-worker who was going through a breakup. So over his shoulder, he started comforting her, saying, Girl, well you're going to get through this. You're better off without him. He walked back to where he thought she'd be and there was no one there. It was a woman in white, heard weeping again. (laughs) On another visit, Inoka crossed the brewery floor hoping to take a selfie for her friends. She added, Moon River has a big mirror above this fireplace and I wanted to take a haunted selfie. It's a joke me and my friends have. I started walking towards the fire to take my picture when suddenly I felt a hand on my chest. I could tell from the pressure a ghost did not want me to go over there so I stepped back and left that part of the room alone another one of Inoka's favourite tour sports is Colonial Park Cemetery which has 9,000 graves including 700 yellow fever epidemic victims who suffered gruesome deaths but one encounter there left even ghost positive Inoka with chills she said the cemetery is usually busy with tour groups and visitors, but one night I was walking in, it was eerily quiet. I got halfway down the street outside and felt something behind me. I was so sure someone was there, I thought I was about to get mugged. I turned around and there was nothing there, but I felt the presence. Ghosts are going to get familiar with you. You have to tell them to stay in their spot and not follow you. So I told the spirit to stay right there. And as I walked back to my car, I felt the presence get smaller and smaller. 
The Bonaventure Cemetery also has its own spooky past and is home to the eerie-looking grave of little Gracie Watson. Gracie and her parents lived at the Pulaski Hotel after her father was employed at the hotel um, as a hotel manager in the 1800s. She would often perform for hotel guests in the lobby and the establishment quickly had a reputation of being one of the best hotels in the South. But Gracie died in 1889 after battling pneumonia, leaving Aww. her parents devastated. In her memory, they built a life-sized statue of the child which sits on her grave before moving to New England and leaving her remains in Savannah all alone. Many have said to have spotted Gracie's ghost playing in Johnson Square where the Pulaski Hotel was built wearing a white dress before disappearing. Savannah is most famous for the sordid death of hustler Danny Hansford in 1981. He was shot by his employer and lover, Jim Williams, though Jim was acquitted after four different trials, arguing he acted in self-defence. Only eight months after he was finally found not guilty, Jim collapsed and died at his home in the study where Danny had died. Was that the ghost getting revenge? The Mercer Williams house is now the scene of numerous ghost tours in the city. I think we are going there as well. And Inoka believes she has personally experienced the property's haunted legacy. Speaking of Jim's death, she said some people think he just died in of the stress. Four trials would take a toll on you. But others think he died because Danny returned to finish what he started. <laughs> On one visit to the house, Inoka claims she was standing listening to another tour guide discuss the murder when she felt a presence behind her back. I looked for drafts or air vents, but there was nothing. I think it was Danny listening to us discuss him. Do you know what? I feel a presence behind my back every Saturday night when I get into bed. Okay. It's called I'd my say husband. The husband. <laughs> Much later, I bought my own tour group there and we were standing in front of the house. I was telling that story when one of the group suddenly points and says, Danny's there in the window. And he mouthed that it was him. I got chills. They're multiplying. Inoka says discussing her experiences online with her friends has created a community keen to discuss Savannah's lively ghost scene. She said, I don't consider myself an expert, but at least with my TikTok people feel comfortable sharing their stories with me. I was raised in a strictly religious household. I wasn't allowed to believe in ghosts. My dad said if I did see one, it was actually a demon. Mm. Sounds like the painter I had the other day. So Inoka moved to Savannah, uh, um, to Florida, and says the city is comfortable with its haunted reputation. There you go. Thank you very much, Renata. That reminded me of the uh, painter. That I had come in the other day. <clears throat> yes, you're telling me that story. Yeah, I don't think we've told our listeners. So, uh, as you know, uh, my father passed away about six weeks ago or seven weeks ago now. And uh, before he passed, he'd had some hail damage done to his house. And we've had insurance coming in and fixing up bits and pieces. And one of them was this vent that was in the ceiling. Anyway, they they removed the vent and somebody came in and put the plaster on. Then somebody came in to paint the ceiling. So this painter came in to paint the ceiling. And he was chatting to me and saying, oh, yes, so um, you're not working today. I said, oh, well, I'm researching and I, I generally work on the weekends at night. He's, oh, yeah, what do you do? I said, oh, well, we do paranormal uh, type events and... Um, entertainment and we do podcasts and things like that he went oh 
Oh, you know, they're all demons, don't you? And I went, what? Said, yeah, they're all demonic. There's demonic energies. You can't trust them. They'll fool you and you'll think it's, you know, spirits and ghosts around you, but it's not. It's all demons. And I went, oh, well. I, I think that's your belief system and, um, you know, that's fine, but that's not what I believe in. Oh, no, I know from my studies and my experiences, they are all demons. And I said, oh, interesting. So where have you studied? I've studied, you know, University of Edinburgh and the Rhine Institute and um, that. So where have you studied? I've read some things and I just know. I went, oh, okay. And it was at that moment that I knew that I was wasting my breath and that nothing I said would change his mind. I did have one last ditch attempt and I said, so you don't think it might be your grandma who was there trying to help you and look after you? Oh no, no, they are wearing the face of your grandma. They are wearing uh, the voice of your grandma and they are trying to trick you. They are trying to make you believe (coughs) and they're going to make you do their will. And with the work you're doing, they're not going to worry you because you're doing their bidding and you're doing everything they want you to do. I said, what, I'm I'm being compliant? Anyway, that's it. You're being compliant with the demon, so they'll leave you alone while you're doing their bidding. I went, this man's come in to paint the roof. It was a truly bizarre experience. So bizarre that I'm going to need to go to a song now. Now, all our songs this week um, have uh, come from one of our listeners, the beautiful Catherine Zena. Um, so Catherine has chosen all of the songs for tonight. So we are looking forward to listening to them all. Thank you, Catherine. All right, I hope you enjoy a bit of Ozzy Osbourne because here he comes. You're listening to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. New Orleans is in our view, Renata. It's calling. I can hear it. It it's is. Calling. They're saying, come and have our gumbo. Come and have our, now they call, are they baynets? I can't remember how you say them properly, but it's B-E-I-G-N-E-T. Ah, but yes, it is that time of the evening where we annoy Renata the most by going I'm not on. having gumbo. It, it, it's got fish in it, hasn't it? Not all it's of got, them. It's got fishy stuff no, in no, it. No, 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 no. Not all of them have uh, fish. Um, I think you're thinking of jambalaya. Uh, I eat prawns, but that's all crumbed calamari, rubber bands. <laughs> uh, but I can't do fish unless it's really well battered fish. And it's, grits. Yeah, grits, grits don't sound appetising, do they? Yeah, it sounds like it's, it's going to oh, be it's eating worth a try. Sand. It's, a, it's, a veg- it's, it's a vegetable. I'll try that. I'll try that. Hi, Dave. How you going? All if right. I put grits on your plate. I'll have it. Well, we'll, we'll we're going to try things. We'll put them in our mouth and we'll video it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded really bad. Yes. A welcome to all the people who are watching us on YouTube. If you want to watch the first half hour of the show, head over to YouTube. It is recorded and you can see it there under Anne and Renata Frightfully Good Ghost Grannies. Here we go. The ABC of Mythical Creatures. And tonight we are going with the letter R. And you're going to get a bonus because next week yes. we're going to get a double R. Double R. You will get another one because we found a creature from Louisiana that we are going to add into the show. Mm-hmm. And Emmy hates us now because she's got all of her stuff scheduled. 
ready for the rest of the ABC of Paranormal. It's right, it's easy. Just change the date, girlfriend. You'll be fine. Oh, yeah, but, well, she, she's not going to be happy. Not going to be happy, Emmy. The creature for this evening is called Rock R-O-C. So let's embark on a journey, Renata, back into ancient times. Oh, do we have to? Explore, exploring the mythical creature known as the rock. Oh, where does this one come from? Well, this one is Middle Eastern, believe it or not. Oh, okay. A bit of Arabic, Arabian folklore. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not talking about Dwayne Johnson, the rock. We are talking about a giant budgie. <laughs> uh, so, budgie? Well, it's a big bird. Budgie. It's yellow with a big beak. Oh. Um, imagine a bird so large, it could snatch up an elephant in its talons. Oh, that would have to be large. Its wingspan casting shadows that it could eclipse entire towns. Oh, entire towns. Entire towns, just like Newcastle. Yeah. The origins of the rock can be traced back to tales and stories that circulated along ancient trade routes. Sailors and travellers, those seamen, they get around, don't they? They do. Shared incredible accounts of this gigantic bird, which was likely inspired by sightings of real large birds, such as eagles and condors, uh, or possibly by the discovery of large fossilised bones from prehistoric creatures. I could just see them digging up through the sand going, hey, look at this. I think that's a giant bird, that bone. The tales grew into the telling and the rock became a symbol of the unknown and uncharted territories that lay beyond the familiar world. Omens surrounding the rock were often associated with its immense size and power. In many stories, the appearance of the rock was a sign of impending disaster or change. Well, change is always just horrible, isn't it? Terrible. Nobody likes change. No, no one. Especially Capricorns. My husband's a Capricorn. He gets very upset with change. Um, So they lost my spot. Impending disaster or change, representing forces much larger than humans could comprehend or control. Its shadow was said to darken the fate of those it passed over. And its cry... Herald turbulent times. You know, I can see us in New Orleans. You know, we'll get we'll get separated, and you'll hear this kaka kaka as we try and find each other. We'll have to teach the group to do that. Can we teach yeah. the whole group? The in, yes, the all call together in the bus. That's, that would be that's great. Right. No, yeah. but when we lose them somewhere and it's time mm-hmm. to go, we'll stand there going kaka. Uh huh. Okay. All right. All right. We'll have on. to video it. We will. Now, let me share a story that illustrates the legend legendary nature of the rock i know renata's very excited this tale is adapted from the collection collection of middle eastern folk tales known as 1001 arabian nights where the rock features in adventures of sinbad the sailor I, my Good dad old used to sinbad. read my dad used to read me these stories and my granddad i used to love them in one of Sinbad's seven voyages, he finds himself stranded on an island, which is a common motif in many of his adventures. He wasn't a very good sailor because no, he kept getting lost yeah. and then ended mm-hmm. up on an island. As he, but it does make a good and TV those, series. Those, those baggy pants and, you know, the... Shit the, catches. The, <laughs> the, the shoes with the curly toes. Yeah, a bit, bit hard to get stranded on an island in that, that gear. What's the 
go with the shoes with the curly toes? Oh, it makes no sense I whatsoever. Have no idea. If anybody knows why they have those curly toes, someone get on Google's and find out why they had curly yes, toed yes, shoes. Yes, let us let us know. We need to know. All right. So anyway, he's got lost and he's on an island. As he explores the island, he trips over a gigantic egg, as you do, so large that he and his fellow sailors can shelter under it. Well, you'd think he would have seen that. You'd think he would have, wouldn't he? Little did they know this egg belonged... Sinbad was blind. <laughs> yeah, that's why he kept getting lost and ending up in Ireland. Absolutely. He the may egg... have had ADHD. I bet he did. I've got medication for that now. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, today's been the best day ever. I think I've hit the dose that's the perfect uh... dose. I like it. Um, not too much, though. I'm not a drug addict, please. <laughs> Uh, All right, little did they know the egg belonged to a mythical rock. As the sailors settled down, the sky suddenly darkened, and to their astonishment, a giant bird appeared in the sky. Its wings blocking the sunlight. Hang on, the the sky suddenly darkened. Oh, that's why it darkened, because it was blocking the sunlight. The sailors, realising the danger they were in, hid in the shadows of the egg. Watching in awe and fear as the giant rock landed and settled on its egg. It sat on them. That means, yes, yes, they're under its backside. They've got a giant bird on their face. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they could keep them warm. You never know. It might be cold. Um, all right, Sinbad, ever resourceful Sinbad. We'll just have to call him MacGyver Sinbad. Blind Sinbad. Yep. <laughs> can't see a freaking egg and can't see a bloody map and God. Decided they should attract, atta- not attract, attach, attach themselves to the rock's legs using their turbans as makeshift ropes. Who thought this rubbish up? That's what I want to know. Why would you do that? Good idea. Hoping the bird would carry them off the island when it flew away. Oh, well, there you go. And drop them in the ocean. As the sun rose, the next morning, the rock took to the skies, and with a uh, with a beat of its powerful wings, the sailors were lifted off the ground, clinging desperately to the creature's legs. You think it would have noticed. The rock carried them over mountains and seas and the sights below were both wondrous and terrifying. They flew over kingdoms and vast stretches of deserts. Uh, Not deserts, but deserts. (laughs) Witnessing the diversity of the lands below. Eventually, the rock landed in a valley abundant with gemstones. Oh, I like this bird. Now you're getting it. Yeah. Now we're talking. I would have tied myself to that bird's legs for sure. Um, And it was rich with flora and fauna. Oh, we don't really care about the flora and fauna. We (laughs) can pick flowers any day. We want the gems. Sinbad and his fellow sailors disentangled themselves and fell to the ground. Plop, 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 plop. Uh, Grateful yet exhausted, they found themselves in a land of immense wealth with gemstones as big as fists and plants that bore fruit of gold. But the valley was also home to giant snakes that guarded the treasures. Oh, they're not snakes. Now, again, because they're so clever... Using their wits and the lessons learned from previous adventures, 
Just like MacGyver, Sinbad and his companions manage to gather some treasures and escape the valley, evading the watchful stakes. Well, that's a bit of a boring story. They, <laughs> they, so they gather some stones. It's a pop. crescendo and then this just flop. Oh, no. I, I experience that so often. <laughs> they return to their homeland carrying tales of the giant rock and the hidden valley of treasures. How'd they get back there? They just walked. Did they? They did. It mustn't have been far from home. Mustn't have been. You'd think they would have known. The story, much like others about the rock, illustrates how the creature symbolises the vast and unknown world that lies beyond the familiar. It represents the challenges and rewards of exploration oh, and adventure. Gosh. And it, invi- it invites us to wonder about the mysteries of the ancient world. The rock, as myth- mythical creatures, serves as a reminder of the power of storytelling, the allure of the unknown and the human spirit of exploration and discovery. By studying such tales, we gain insights into the hopes, fears, and imaginations of the people who told them. And we continue the tradition of sharing stories right here on the ABC of Mythical Creatures. That was fabulous, even if I do say so myself. (sighs) Did everyone enjoy that story? Please let me know by texting 0490 Just tell me how fantastic that was, and I'll be happy forevermore. Let's go to a song again sent to us by Xena Warrior Princess. Oops, now, and now remember, it is time for Q&A. Oh, yes, send your questions through. So please send your questions through. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to keep talking. She'll oh. do another animal. Please, please send a question, please. Do you have paranormal questions? Well, we have the answers. It's time for Spooky Chat with Anne and Renata. And it's that time of the evening where we hand the show over to you guys and we get you to ask questions about the spooky stuff or even if you've got some questions about us. Do you have questions about Anne and Renata. But we want to give a shout out to the first <coughs> Me Award, which goes all the way to the USA. And that's from Jody Music. Wishing you safe and fantastic travels to NOLA. If your US trip gets near Denver, please let me know. I would love to go to the Aww. to Denver. Oh, so nice. Thank you, Jody. I think I have been to Denver. Always appreciate you um, sending your messages through. And uh, Robert Orleans, home of the Witch Queen. We have actually programmed that into the listening for next week, if I remember correctly. Yes. Uh, He said he's going to try and listen as much as he can. You get your rest, young man. And I can't get out of this now because the message has come through and it just says, no, I am not helping. Hello, Yindyamara. How are you? That was fantastic, Anne. I love the ABC. Stop encouraging her. Uh, He said also, okay, so where did the Ouija board originally come from? So it originally started as a dating game in the late 1800s. It was around about 1890, and it was designed as just a fun game. The name itself was channeled by uh, one of the girlfriends, if I remember correctly, of the uh, one of the people who invented it, uh, Elijah Wood and I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, Fold, William Fold was the other one. Elijah Wood? No, that's an actor, isn't it? 
Oh, I'm having one of those moments. Anyway, uh, senior moment. Uh, they created it. They patented it. But there was a fight over who owned it. And then there was all sorts of trouble. And um, But originally it was intended to be a bit of a fun dating game. Because in the late 1800s, early 1900s, a man and a woman could not, um, who might have been interested in each other romantically, could not be left alone together. They used to actually make seats that um, you could sit on one side of the seat and there'd be like a, a wall between them and then the gentleman would have to sit on the other side and they could talk that way, but they weren't allowed to touch. There's always a chaperone yes. and, and usually that seat actually had a third space for the chaperone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Wow. Uh, Talk about a fun killer. Yeah, so the Ouija board was designed to sit upon the knees of two people, uh, generally a man and a woman. And these are the actual instructions on the back of the board, because I have one of these boards from the early 1900s. And they sit facing each other and they lightly place their fingers upon, they used to call it the table, because it was a wooden board with legs on it, which was the planchette. And then they would uh, ask Ask questions and see if somebody would answer them. Mm. Because you've got to remember, in the 1800s, people weren't uh, terrified of spirits because spiritualism was a huge thing. And they'd realized that you could contact your loved ones from the past and get some closure and some healing. But, uh, yes, men and women sit across from each other and their knees would touch underneath the table. But then, sadly... Uh, Sort of a certain movie got hold of it. It, w- it was used in TV and film. It was used in uh, Lucille Ball show. It was used in Dennis the Menace. It was uh, what was the Ghost and Mrs Muir. Mm-hmm. They they appeared in all these TV shows as a fun, happy thing. Nothing was ever terrifying about it. And then there was the story of The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. And that is where the board became demonised because they said that the spirit came through this child through the Ouija board. And if you actually listen to the True Hauntings podcast episode of The Exorcist story, you will find out the story was about a teenage boy who had mental health issues and was also known to be a little bit of a fibber. And the Ouija board was there, but it belonged to his auntie who uh, was a spiritualist. And they um, they did use the Ouija board. Uh, nothing ever bad happened. It was just a fun thing they used to do together. But that's a boring story, isn't it? If it nothing is. bad happens. So they decided to darken the story by making it the Ouija board that had the spirit that came through it to uh, attach to Reagan. And that was where the demons through the Ouija board was born. And from then on, it was just, I've got a feeling that that's bad. But we have witnessed over the years how terrified people get when they see it. Oh, it happened I mean, on Saturday night. Absolutely petrified just by seeing the board sitting there. There are some people that would not go into the same room. But in saying that, I was one of those people. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then I saw these people. I I don't agree with where they were using it. They were using it in a cemetery, which I think is not great. But I stood back and I watched. And I thought, oh, that's not what I was expecting. 
And that's when I started to learn about it. And there was a paranormal convention at Maitland Jail um, a few years back, probably about 10 years ago, where Robert Murch came out and he talked about the Ouija boards and collections and the story. And I went, this is fascinating. I had no idea. I'd been fed all this stuff via Hollywood and religion because religion does like to use fear to steer people back to their um, the church. Uh, and... Yeah, it just became a tool for them to achieve what they wanted to achieve. Mm. Yes. So, sorry, I've waffled on a bit, but I, I'm very passionate about the Ouija board. I don't actually enjoy so much using it because it's normally gobbledygook for me. I don't get much out of it. Some of our team members are far more talented on the Ouija board than I am. Mm. It's just that it's just one more aspect, one more thing to be fearful of. And I, I think we've got enough in society uh, that we can truly be fearful of rather than inanimate objects. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I didn't lose my track of thought through all of that. Very good. My medication must still be working. <laughs> now, uh, a question. Birds keep flying into the one of the windows at my house. No birds have been hurt that I know of, and the latest one happened only a few weeks ago. Have read that it can mean your house is haunted and also that spirits are trying to tell me something. Is this true, or do the birds need spec savers? <laughs> I've actually been watching this happen. Uh, I love watching uh, a YouTube channel called Sherpa, and it's about a Siberian husky or a Malamute husky, and they've just bought... A house in the countryside and they've got big glass windows and he's been having birds fly into the windows as well because to the birds it looks like that is just clear they, mm. they can fly through there they don't realize there's clear glass mm -hmm. and there are actually stickers that you can get that are completely see-through that you can put onto the windows that the birds can see but won't obstruct your view so try that if mm -hmm. that doesn't work, you've got ghosts. <laughs> well, look, sometimes it's uh, the angle of the sun um, and the light hitting the window. And, of course, because the angles of the sun change as the seasons change and the weeks change, it might be something that occurs um, for, you know, a, a week or two and then it's done. It doesn't happen again. Uh, we've got a lot of birds nesting at the moment too uh, and they are protecting their young. So that might be another reason why this is happening. But no, your house is not haunted. Sorry. There was another question on there from Yinjamara. It's it's just not, yeah, it's it's please. It's, it, it's no, no, it, no, it's not haunted. No. Uh, what else we got there? When did you both decide a radio show was the thing to do? <laughs> a radio show has been on my mind for probably about eight years. I really, really wanted to uh, have a radio show with this sort of content. Um, I tried for a number of years to um, write emails to some of the local radio stations and really did not get a response back even. They weren't interested. And, I mean, I was offering, uh, you know, midnight to midnight to one o'clock or something you know that a dead hour where they would have had um, just to get on and um, to see how we go so uh, for me it's been a long time coming for me I uh, actually was called in to do a, a segment at a Sydney radio station and it was one of the the lower, um, it wasn't like Kiss FM or anything like that. It was one of the, the lower ranking ones, but it had uh, Dicko. Mm. 
as one of the hosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dicko was one of the uh, Australian Idol judges at one stage, I think, if I remember correctly. And they, it was Halloween season, and this was when I was in another paranormal team. And uh, this other guy and myself went in. They'd asked us to bring paranormal equipment in. We um, had the, the equipment there. They asked us questions. We answered it, and they said, would you like to throw it open to the people for questions? We went, sure. And apparently the switchboard lit up like a Christmas tree and jammed everything, and they were only able to get two questions in. But the the manager of the show um, went, oh, my God, we haven't had that happen in I can't remember how long. Mm. And I said, well, have you considered doing a show? And Mm -hmm. I went, yeah, actually, we will consider doing a show. And we never heard from them again because I think the, uh, the station was under duress. Uh, but then we approached uh, when Renata and I started working together and there was uh, another Newcastle radio community station that started up. I sort of approached them and said, would you be interested in a paranormal local show? And no, they weren't really interested. Actually, I could hear the eye rolls from there. But uh, then our friend Louise, this, and that, that one shut down and then we yes. had this one open up. Our yeah. friend Louise got onto the the uh, segment here mm-hmm. and she does after dark and the juice and also Tracy yes and tr- I think Tracy interviewed us and we said look we we know that there is a show mm-hmm. like this yeah um, would the station be interested and they said yes yes and spooky Sundays was born the rest is history as they say yeah but if we're going to keep doing this show, we need you guys to help support us. Until we can get a sponsor on board, mm-hmm. we need your help because it does take a bit of time to get organised for this and to present it. And we need you to share it and let people know about it, comment on it, get onto YouTube, like it, make sure you subscribe because all of that helps. Not only buy us a coffee or a super stick or anything like that, just sharing it around and telling people about our podcasts and everything else that ripples back and helps us out so uh, we need to go to a song i just realized how late it was we'll be back straight after this spooky sundays with ann and renata on newcastle live And we're back with Spooky Chat and our regular listener, Lisa, has wished us a wonderful trip to New Orleans and a question. You do come up with good questions. I like your questions. Did either of you see anything paranormal as a child? Renata? Um, Yeah, I kind of... um I had the weirdest sort of night terrors and night dreams, um, which for me were very real. It was like I was in that particular scenario. Um, So I sort of was quite terrified of them. Um, That's probably as as close, I guess, as a child as I got. Um, I had a terror-filled childhood. (laughs) I really was. I can only remember... um, between when I can remember to when I started school, which was terrifying in itself because I went to a Catholic school yes, that, had, terrifying. that had nuns. Yep. <laughs> so it was terrifying. Yep. And that was um, before the movie came out. 
<laughs> That's exactly right. Um, so and they wore those habits. Yeah, they did. Uh, it was and uh, yes, they wore black ones in in yes. winter and white ones in summer. Yes. Um, and there was a stage they just wore all black. Yeah, uh, that was terrible. It was terrifying. Um, yeah. So I, I don't have happy memories of my childhood. Sorry. Yeah. No. The the one that sticks with me, which I have spoken about a few times, is the one at my grandparents' place where I saw something black shoot out through the window but I don't think I saw anything much else if I did I wasn't aware that I was looking at spirit which I think is one of the big things hello Lisa what is the most memorable response to music you've seen or heard during an investigation oh we have to tell the story of Peyton the Peyton. Yeah, remember Oh, Peyton? yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when we were doing the seance parlour, which sadly we just don't have the time to do at the moment, uh, we would have people book a seat at the table and we'd only have three to four people come in. And um, my job was to play music to... Um, raise the vibrational energy to um, bring up memories and hopefully spirit I was hoping spirit would give me songs that would be of meaning to the people who were at the table and quite often I I would get something and uh, someone would go oh yeah that was the song my father danced with me um, at my wedding and it, it has meaning for me or that's the song I danced with my husband or um, that's the song I, I used to listen to when I was sad and um, the, these songs would have meaning to them but there was one night that was very weird for me where I had a theme pop into my head and I just had this thing in my head saying theme from Peyton Place and I'm thinking is that even a TV show what is that so I just did a search on Spotify and sure enough there was a theme from Peyton Place so I started to play it and the lady at the table went oh I went so does that mean something she said yes so oh okay do you want to tell us what it is she went hello Peyton how are you now, mm. that was her daughter. Yeah. And it was at that moment that I realised I must have actually had a connection with some sort of spirit because Peyton so random. is not a name that was in my normal vocabulary. And I've got goosebumps saying that because it, it was a shock for me to have that happen. Yeah. So that's that's my little story. Uh, and do we plan questions in of spirits in advance? Any for Nola lined up? Um, no, I can't say I actually do. I do like to have a little bit of history so that I can address people by name when we're asking spirit questions or to ask things that are appropriate to the history of that person because I figure if we know a little bit about them, that shows respect to them and I hope that they will engage with us because we truly want to know their story. We're not just going, come on, spirit, show us a sign, say something, do something. We're saying, I heard you fell off a horse and you you hurt yourself. That must have been a bit of a shock for you. And I sort of try to engage them that way if I know the history. Mm. What about you? Yeah. Um, 
like you, sometimes I like to um, know a little bit about the place that I'm going into because that's then uh, – and I know for some people they kind of go, oh, no, I don't want to know anything because I want to pick everything up psychically. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. But I prefer to know a little bit of history. It doesn't seem to affect – me in either kind of saying, well, I think there is something here or there isn't. Um, I just like to know. I like to know what I'm going into and and know a little bit about the history. It just makes it more interesting for me. Uh, But questions, I might, might, you know, have one or two up my sleeve. Or if we think of something really, really good that uh, we haven't asked before, that drops into our mind, uh, we'll go in uh, with that and make sure we sort of ask that during the evening, but uh, don't necessarily plan things out. Yeah. I think also that I'm inspired at the time. You get a gut instinct of what to ask Mm because you sort of feel what they're interested in. Mm -hmm. It could be my imagination. Anyway, last question before we go to the top of the hour, and this is from Robert. He is uh, nodding off to sleep now. He's almost smacked himself in the face with the phone twice. So he says, "Good, good night to you all. But his question was... Do you think that hospitals have more spirit guides than other places? Mm. And what a good question. That's if it's a good a, question. A place where people are ill uh, and uh, crossing over, would they have more spirit guides? Well, if that's kind of your belief, if, if that is in your belief system that people do have spirit guides, then yes, a hospital would certainly be a place. Remember that so many people go into a hospital to pray, to pray mm. for their loved ones, to you know uh, focus on their good health, to uh, be worried about them, to make sure that they sort of get through their operation, and you know so there's a lot of um, focus energy and, going into that hospital. And prayer, regardless of faith, is a good intention. Absolutely, unless you're praying that they die. Absolutely, it's a good intention. And no, that's so not a good intention. But it, uh, <laughs> generally, prayer is a good intention. Their energy, and you know, if if there is hope that someone is listening somewhere, so that a miracle can happen, it happens in a hospital. Yeah, and because of the clever doctors who have gone and studied, and will think outside the box mm. at a critical moment. All right, top of the hour, we're going to head to a song, and when we come back, it's cousin Steve's creepy corner. Woo-hoo. We don't know what it is. We haven't heard it. He said he hasn't been able to put the sound effects and everything in as last time because he is flying home from America right now. Yeah. Come home soon, Steve. Well, he's actually going to be in Hawaii for a couple of days. But we miss you and uh, enjoy the songs. And we'll be back after Cousin Steve's Spooky Corner. It's time to cross back to the other side. Welcome back to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Well, 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 a big pip-pip and cheerio from across the pond. That's right, my little crawlers, it's Cousin Steve, and welcome back to this week's Creepy Corner. I hope you haven't been missing me too much. Now, I don't know if Anna and Renata have filled you all in, but I am travelling at the moment, that's right. Even the wicked get some rest sometimes. So I have taken upon myself to make the Creepy Corner a little bit of a travel blog for the next couple of weeks. And you'll be able to come along with me on my journeys and find out some creepy details about what I've been doing, where I've been, and the haunts that I've been trying to haunt. 
Now, as the intro told you, uh, I am in the UK at the moment, and I am visiting some friends, seeing some shows, seeing some concerts, and just making the most out of life. Now, my first stop was to visit a friend of mine who has been transplanted from Australia over to the UK, and we were in the little village of Woking, or Woking. Now, that might not mean a lot to you, but... In May of 1895, along with his wife, Catherine, author H.G. Wells would take up residence to avoid the polluted air of London, and in their little pebble-dashed house on Mayberry Road, this is where he would change history and write The War of the Worlds. Now, working still celebrates this day, H.G. Wells and his effect on the modern world of literature, radio, and everything. There is a lovely uh, statue of him in the town square and even some artwork of the alien craft that landed. So a little something spooky in the centre of a town that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Now, London's West End is no stranger to spooks and spectres of various kinds. They've had hugely popular shows like Phantom of the Opera and The Woman in Black that have ran for multiple, multiple years. They've also had more interesting shows like a live stage version of The Exorcist and the show I was lucky enough to see before it finished, 222 a ghost story. It belonged to this widow. She had it for years. It was the first house we saw. It was like the whole house was missing someone. If ghosts exist, why aren't there absolutely loads of them? You don't believe me? It's not about belief. It happened four nights You've got running. worked up. I suppose you think I'm crazy too? I work in mental health. I think everyone's crazy. If ghosts don't exist, why do people see them? Things cannot appear and disappear. You're wrong, Sam. Your mum doesn't Do you believe help. me? I should have been here. Do you believe me? I can only see one possible explanation. There is a ghost. Oh, my God! This is it. He's coming. Get out! I have spoken about this show previously on Spooky Sundays in the Creepy Corner when we're talking about theatre and immersion. 222, A Ghost Story is a thriller by Danny Robbins. It premiered in the West End in 2021 and received a Laurence Olivier Award nomination for Best Play the following year. It is just ending its run now and it is definitely a very unique theatre experience. Think paranormal activity brought to the stage with the Massive Attack soundtrack. At its core, this is a show about belief. Belief in the supernatural, belief in the paranormal, and belief in the strength of personal relationships. I'm not going to give you too many spoilers, but it is definitely a mystery right up until the very last minutes of the show. So it has just finished its West End run. It has had five very successful production seasons here in the West End. It's also been produced in Singapore. There's a UK tour coming up, and there was a Los Angeles production, as well as a very, very brief Australian taster 
of the show. Another thing that makes this show really interesting is the caliber of celebrity and uh, actors that it has brought to the role. Lily Allen was the original actress to play Jenny, the lead, but from her, there's been a succession of really big names. Tom Felton, who we know from Harry Potter, has also been in it. Pop star Cheryl Cole features in the trailer that was played. And former member of the girl band The Saturdays and morning TV host Frankie Bridge played Lauren, the psychiatrist, in my production. Now the Los Angeles production was full of celebrities. Constance Wu, Anna Camp, Adam Rothberg and Finn Wittrock all played a part in the first stateside production of the show. My final thoughts on the show is that it is definitely something you should check out if it ever becomes available again. I have a very, very strong feeling that it will be making its way to cinemas and it would make a great movie if done correctly. So I'm going to give it a five out of five skeletons, screaming skeletons, screaming stinging skeletons, that is. So we'll say cheerio now to the West End and leave it to its theatre ghosts, its very real theatre ghosts, which we'll discuss another time. So our final destination on this whistle-stop tour of the UK takes me out to Gloucestershire, where I visited some friends in the village of Cheltenham. Now, Cheltenham is very charming, very green, everything you would expect a small English town to be. But what I didn't know until my final night there was I was close by to a village that is alleged to be the most haunted in England. More than two dozen spirits are said to haunt the streets of Presbury Village. The most famous being the Black Abbot, who is regularly seen in the church and the churchyard, and occasionally in other spots, including the High Street. And his ghostly wanderings traditionally occur on three church-based festivals, Christmas, Easter, and All Saints Day. Several ghostly horsemen have been heard and seen in Shawgreen Lane and the Burgage, one repeatedly a medieval rider heading toward Henry IV's camp at Tewkesbury during the War of the Roses, who was killed by an archer, another cavalier who was killed by a rope across the road during the Civil War, and another a knight in armour. Now, during road work some years ago, a skeleton was found with an arrow between the ribs, which may lend some credence to the horseman tales. The ghost of a young girl has been seen in the garden of Presbury House Hotel, which is also said to be haunted by the sound of horses' hooves. Sundar Cottage in the Burgage is haunted by a girl playing a spinet. Her ghost used to be seen, but faint music is still occasionally heard. Of course, a lady in white and several shades of old women have been reported at various locations around the village. And a spectral shepherd and his herd have been seen in Swindon Lane. And visitors to Cleves Corner near the church have reported waking up feeling as if they're being strangled. Researchers found that a bride was once murdered in her bed on that very spot. So the moral of this story is always do your research. Always ask the locals. If you're a person that likes the spooky, that likes the creepy, that likes the paranormal, no one's going to know the ghost stories better than the locals. 
this village was less than five minutes away from where I was staying, and I had the free time. I just didn't know it was there until the very last night. So that is my moral for you folks. Always ask the locals and discover what you can, where you can. I'd like to thank you for joining me again in the Creepy Corner. Thank you, Anne and Renata. I hope you're all well and wonderful. And I will see you again very soon with a little bit more pop culture paranormal wonderfulness. Stay spooky. Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. Welcome back, everyone. Are you my, right there, Anne? My microphone was nowhere near me when that, I was having a little nap, I think, because that was such a lovely big break. Thank you, Cousin Steve. Mm. So we are back with a story. I don't know how far I'm going to get because we are so over time, but never mind. Oh, let's, just, okay. let's just keep going. Let's see what happens. Um, look, if you're looking for a scenario that's going to be really conducive to have a place uh, feel haunted, then it would be an orphanage. Oh, yes. Especially an orphanage where things didn't go quite well. So I'm going to tell you a story about one of those, uh, and this is the Gore Orphanage. Hang on, Gore is in Sydney? No. Oh, no. Okay. G O R E Gore Orphanage. Yeah, but the this Gore Freeway. Yeah, th- and it's the Gore Cemetery. And yeah. sorry, I got excited. No, no. Okay, no. I won't be excited. <clears throat> now, Light of Hope is the actual name uh, of the Gore Cemetery. Semini- <laughs> It's getting late, Auntie Nada. Of the Gore Orphanage, uh, which was established in 1902 by a religious zealot named Reverend Johann Sprunger. Oh, what can go wrong? Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, And uh, the orphanage was located on Gore Road, which is actually named, yeah, it's the... The orphanage was then named after the road. Right, okay, okay I get it We now. got that, right. So um, Johann Sprunger and his wife Katarina moved to the Vermilion area after their former orphanage in Bern, Indiana, was destroyed by fire. Katarina was the daughter of Christian P. Sprunger, uh, though no explanation has ever been given regarding Katerina's surname being the same as her husband. Uh, oop, a diary of a worker at the former Light of Hope Orphanage in Bern states that the orphanage was run by brother and sister Sprunger. Oh. Oop, Danana. Oop, Danana. <laughs> Someone's been a naughty wandering willy. Yes, three orphan girls were reported to have perished in the original Light of Hope fire. Two of the Sprunger former Indiana businesses had also ended up in by fire. And prior to moving to Ohio, the couple also lost their seven-year-old daughter, Hilagonda, and a son, Edmund, uh, who died at birth. Aww. The deaths appeared to spark a passionate obsession for religious pursuits for the couple. Oh, I don't know. I've got it's a bad a, feeling, a, Renata. The Sprungers are not doing mm-hmm. Yeah, Sprungers married the sisters mm-hmm. and yeah. they've sprung and... Yeah, yeah anyway, it's keep going. It's not good. The new orphanage site just outside of Vermilion consisted of four sets of farm buildings and covered 543 acres. An abandoned mansion was also located on the property. The once magnificent Greek revival house was built in the mid-19th century by Joseph Smith, a Swift, sorry, a successful farmer. But to the Swift mansion soon came bad luck. In 1831, Swift's five-year-old daughter, 
Trifania died or Trifania 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 died in 1841 Swift's 24 year old son Herman died soon after Swift's fortunes dried up due to poor investments in the railroad business he sold the home to Nicholas Wilbur a renowned spiritualist Uh, mysterious uh, rituals and seances were said to be held regularly in the secluded mansion home, conjuring up the spirits of deceased children. Oh, oh see, this so, is but bad. is this does this really happen, or is this rumours because no, people don't like well, them? Well, the, the ghosts of the children were said to appear frequently at the seances held in a special room in the home. Mm. Well, we Wilbur's, have a special room that we hold seances mm, in. Wilbur's children were rumoured to be psychic and could communicate with the ghosts of dead children. Oh, While nice. records and gravestones claim that four Wilbur grandchildren died from a diphtheria epidemic after the Wilbur's moved from the home, residents insisted that they died at the Swift Mansion and were buried there. Oh, secretive, of course. It makes a much better story. Yes, the home was abandoned in 1901 and teenagers almost immediately began taking trips to the site, daring each other to enter the infamous haunted home. Now, up to 120 children were inmates of the orphanage at one time. Boys lived at a farm called Hughes Farm and girls at the Howard Farm. The orphanage also housed a small printing press used to print their own school books as well as a paper entitled Light of Hope. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, they're printing their own books, material yes. to teach the children and yes. there's, I feel there's a hidden agenda. But rumours of darkness and despair soon plagued the Light of Hope orphanage. Mm -hmm. Orphan children ran away from the home, often wading through the Vermilion River to escape to Vermilion. Happy children don't run away. No, the children told horrific stories of abuse, neglect and slave labour. The children were said to eat a diet of calves' lungs, hogs' heads and sick cattle if they were fed at all. It's high in protein. Uh, Corn was boiled in the same pot used to boil soiled underwear. (laughs) Although there were cows on the farm, children were said to often only be given butter once a week and occasionally pepper or sugar. The children's rooms were infested with rats uh, and vermin. On occasions, rats crawled onto the beds and bit children while they lay asleep. There was said to be only one bathtub for the boys, which they were allowed to use once every two weeks and had to use the same water. Children told stories of Sprunger and the farm overseas beating them with a strap until great raw welts appeared on their bodies. Sprunger also uh, also rented out the inmates of the home to neighbouring farmers. Illnesses and diseases were alleged to be treated only by prayers. Witnesses stated the children received a lack of regular schooling. In 1909, an investigation was conducted, but because the state of Ohio had no laws or regulations pertaining to the operations of such such institutions... Can I say that again? Yeah, there were no laws no or laws. regulations. You could just do what you wanted. Yep. Norm, uh, nothing formally could be done about conditions at the orphanage. The Springers admitted to much of the allegations against them. Eventually, the children of uh, the Light of Hope orphanage were dispersed throughout the community after there were some fires and things happened. Yep. So I'm, I'm moving on so that I can tell you the whole story. Yeah, and she sounds so enthusiastic about it. 
and uh, return, or they were returned to their relatives or guardians, and the nightmare was over for the children of the Gore Orphanage. Many were too afraid to recount the conditions they endured at the institution. The few that had nowhere else to go were taken back to Bern, Indiana, by Mrs. Sprunger. It was exactly oh, no. 13 years after it had first opened. Oh, paranormal investigators say. The ghosts of Gore Orphanage Road may or, uh, actually be esoteric imprints, a kind of snapshot in time. Frequently violent or traumatic events seem to release an energy that imprints the action on a place or object. In this kind of haunting, incidents repeat themselves like a videotape rewound and played over and over again. These hauntings can be seen, heard, felt or even smelt. We call those residual Tragic imprints can even relocate themselves to other areas of high paranormal activity. I haven't heard that one before. Hmm. Yes. Um, and so they uh, actually say that in this orphanage they get um, uh, lots of lights, lots of um, people sensing um children around them, Mm -hmm. um, them being touched, um, people as if they're walking behind them, um, calling out. Um, Again, it's it's one of these areas that people sort of wander to to see if they can capture any activity. Um, But yes, the sadness about something as horrific as children in an orphanage like that would definitely leave an imprint. There'd have to be some sort of almost like a stain on there. We have a um, shout out, and I've just got to get back over there. Have a wonderful time in the USA. Safe travels from Suzanne of the Netherlands. Oh, thank you. I'm just astounded that we get these messages internationally. Mm. That there are people from all around the world listening to us right now, Renata. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Zena. You have surprised us with your um, range of music tonight, I must say. Your heavy metal headbanger music. You, yes. Who would have thunk? No. I, I am I am pleasantly surprised. Mm. <laughs> so we're going to another one Bit right now. Mother. Yes. Ooh. Be back soon. Hang on to your knickers. Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. Spooky ooky Sundays. Mm. And Anne, I think you've got some ghost stories for us. Yeah, I need to first off turn off my phone because it's going chick, 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 with messages coming through. Shout out to Louise from uh, the, uh, what does she do? On After, After Dark. Dark. I'm just texting her. Her dad's flying to England at the moment. Anyway, I had a humongous story I was going to do about New Orleans, but I thought I might save it for the pre-record, because it's too big to squish down into a couple of minutes. So I just happened to bring in the 14 times with me, and I thought, let's let's flick through its pages and see if we can find some tasty treats. And there before me was a picture of a tomato mm-hmm. and a story labelled, It Happened to Me, Mystery Tomato. Mm-hmm. So let me read you a story, my friends. Well, talk about a mystery. Let, let, what happened to us on, on the drive in tonight? Oh, my God. 
That was weird. Yes. So uh, the um, Newcastle live radio station is very, very close to the Newcastle interchange. Mm -hmm. And the uh, tram line actually runs along the side of the building. Uh, And to get to it, because that's a one-way street, we sort of have to go across the tram line, left down this little alleyway before we get to Hunter Street. Mm -hmm. We drive along the alleyway. Well, we we do this every week. Mm -hmm. And tonight... As we've driven down the alleyway, alleyway about 20 metres, all of a sudden we had Gardy Lou! And we had a bucket of some sort of substance dumped over my windscreen mm. as we drove down the alleyway. Yes. We don't know if it was Gardy Lou. Um, I, I've been out to check to see what it was. It, it looks like it's water. Mm. Um, I got a tissue and mopped it up to see if it maybe looked yellow. <laughs> It didn't look yellow. There was no odour to it. Weird as. But why was why was water thrown on my car? Yeah, where, where did it come from? There's nowhere there for it to be thrown. Yeah, EAO is uh, the building that's there or the Potter's Church. Maybe they were... Christ- oh. oh, that's oh. what it was. They're throwing holy water on us. <laughs> We've worked it out. Oh, no. They're christening the car. Oh, oh no wonder we didn't scream in our seats. Oh, dear. We barely batted it. I'm burning. I'm burning. Oh, no. oh, wow. My skin's on fire. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Let's get back to the mystery tomato. In late 2001, we moved from busy London into old, to an old timbered cottage that's around 1840s to 1860s, which is not old in England, uh, in a semi-rural location. It had wooden beams throughout and dark wood doors. Oh, sounds like heaven, Renata. Mm. A door closed off the bottom of the walled stairwell, which made the stairs even darker. I was expecting our first child and had to get up two or three times at night to go to the tiny loo, which was tucked into the corner of the landing at the top of the steep wooden stairs. As I passed by, I always felt a strong compulsion to look down into the dark stairwell. We closed the bottom stair door at night, but I would resist the urge to look with all my might. I felt that something was staring up at me. It wanted me to look down and see it. I got the feeling it was an old woman with grey, wispy hair. What were you doing there, Renata? (laughs) Staring. Yeah. She was standing at the bottom step in the shadows, but I refused to look, and it would waddle back to bed. Oh, and she would waddle back to the bed, not the ghost, as quickly as I could. The feeling never left me over the next two years. Gee, she was pregnant a long time. That the woman was there at night looking up at me, urging me to look down and see her on the bottom stair. I eventually told my husband I didn't like the stairwell door, so he removed it. He admitted he also didn't like the dark stairway, and we laughed nervously (laughs) as he said he'd often thought, There was a figure or presence at the bottom of the stairs. We put the cottage up for sale in 2004 as it was too small for our growing family. I was packing things up and moving boxes around and had to go upstairs for something. As I stepped onto the first stair, I saw there was a beautiful little tomato sitting right in the middle of it. I picked it up and asked my husband why he'd put a tomato on the stair. He denied it. We don't grow tomatoes. I don't eat tomatoes, so I don't buy tomatoes. No shops nearby. 
No visitors had been in the house. Our daughter was two years old and only just toddling. She wouldn't have been able to find a fresh tomato anywhere. Our son was a newborn baby. Confused, I checked the tomato for bruises or teeth marks. We did have a cat. Maybe the cat had brought it in as a small tomato from the neighbouring garden and put it on the bottom stair. But the tomato's surface was unmarked, fresh and smooth. We just don't know how a tomato could have got there. We've never been able to think of a satisfying explanation. The stairwell was walled and had no windows, so it can't have been dropped or thrown in. To us, the tomato just appeared. We found out the cottage was built by a local master builder for his spinster daughter who lived there alone. We joked she'd left a tomato for us when she knew we were leaving. Kind of a desperate token of love to the family who shared her home but always ignored her. Isn't that great? Oh, that's creepy. You got time for a little one? Do you reckon you got time for a little one? Tiny little one, yes. This one's called A Vision of a Mother. I haven't read it. I've got no idea if it's good or not. Last autumn, I was suddenly taken will with Eurosepsis. It sounds like a bad urinary tract infection, which came on extremely quickly. I was in hospital for almost a week, but I can remember very little of the first couple of days, part of which I spent in the active assessment unit of the hospital's A&E department. I was in considerable pain and was given something. I think this may have been a liquid form of paracetamol. I am certain it wasn't morphine. At some point, whether I was dreaming or hallucinating, I don't know. I very clearly saw my mother, who had died some ten years previously. She was sitting across me in the cubicle, with quite a stern expression on her face, but she was not looking at me at all. I distinctly remember thinking something along the lines of, "Thank goodness she's not looking at me. I'm going to, I'm going to live. That's okay then." Her presence wasn't for long and was entirely neutral in the character. She was just well just there for a short period of time what i took specifically from that experience is that when i can when is that when i was considerably more unwell than i really that doesn't make sense what i took specifically from that experience is that i was considerably more unwell than i really care to think about hmm. so it's just an omen that you're going to be okay i wonder if you're looking at him if that would have meant something different. Oh. Oh. All right, let's go to a song. We'll okay. be back shortly. Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. Well, 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 well. Well, well, well. That's very interesting. Are we going to sing along to it or are we going to stop it? <laughs> What happened there? I don't know. Oh, it's a ghosties. It is. I think it oh. thought it was the end of the show. How dare they try to steal our thunder? Oh. That's okay. We, we'll fix that. Don't panic. I can see the panic setting in. Ooh-ah. You did very well to stop it. <laughs> oh, angels. They're trying to it's get an- this. Oh, it's the it's, angels. They've got no secrets are meant to come out, you see. <laughs> trying to stop us. I was just going to say that, you know, we're, this is the last this is few it. minutes before we leave. Yeah. 
before we head off on holidays. Okay. I wish we were heading off tomorrow, but we've still got well, two. It's, it's kind of work, really. It's yeah. not holidays. It's it's well, we work. are we're working, we're but working. it's the best sort of work anyone oh, can ever do. Absolutely. And um, yeah, we we are being employed by Mysterious Adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Mysterious Adventures? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To uh, host to host um, be the experts on a tour to New Orleans and all these beautiful people signed up and sold it out within two hours yeah. no, not two hours two days um so yeah there there has been somebody that dropped out recently and look we're sending our love to Anne and her husband i hope everything is going well there my love and that uh, you get the best outcome possible and timing sucks mm. um i think we should get Anne's address we can all send um a postcard from make her jealous yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> uh dave man wanted to put out a message here saying uh in regards to the birds that were hitting the windows mm-hmm. the reflection of trees show against the glass my friends have tinted windows on the upper level and every few days in spring there'd be a funk yeah so that's another way of looking at it as well uh dave did have a question for us being the best hosts with the ghosts what is the most challenging thing when it comes to dealing with the general public as guests and guests mm. Their demands. There's a long list. <laughs> and they don't think they're demanding. That's the thing. They don't think they're demanding. And um, I guess, yeah, it it's interesting. There's a long list. We'll have to sort of come back and, yeah, and maybe look, do a, a um, Diary of a Ghost Hunter about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we did have a difficulty on the weekend where um, – Somebody was brought along to one of the events who did not want to be there. Mm. I think they may have been told that it was a different type of event and it was a bit of a shock for them because they were dressed quite nicely. Mm -hmm. And I think they may have been expecting a candlelit dinner candlelit dinner and a ring and instead they ended up in a dusty old dirty house Mm. uh, full of ghosts and and. Ouija boards that they didn't want to touch. So, yeah, when you bring people to events, it's always nice to bring people who are into it so that everybody there can enjoy the experience. Uh, Yeah, it's it's hard to please everyone because it's like, you know, everyone has a different view of what they might be getting when they come to an event. And um, you know that there is going to be a percentage of people who don't, get what they think they are going to get and yeah. there's not much that you can do about that um but yeah that's it it does play heavily on our hearts we don't take any of this um for granted and that's why i said today i did a, a post and i said you know it's about us trying to be the best hosts we can possibly be when we go to new orleans and it's it's a worry because you do want to do the best for the people that have um you know, signed up to come with you. Yeah, and there is many different personalities also that come along to these events, whether it be a tour or a uh, a trip away or a workshop, and um, they all have their own agenda and mm-hmm. things that they want to achieve, mm-hmm. which is why they've come along. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes those can rub up against other people who might have a different agenda agenda like my painter earlier in the, the, the night or, or no agenda and they spent all all night um uh yelling and screaming and joking and oh. just disrupting everything for everyone else <laughs> yeah yeah it's great great fun i've got the hiccups now yeah. um we had a message from M to say the camera looks great from that angle that it's set it up tonight um and she's actually sent some jokes in would you like a joke very quickly. What position do ghosts play on the field? 
Oh, what? A ghoul keeper. Mm. Okay. Uh, what do you call two witches living together? Broom mates. Oh, Emmy, stop it. Oh, I think they're good. Oh. What you got here? Vampires sleep all day, fly wherever they want for free. Can't see themselves in a mirror. Where do I sign up? (laughs) (laughs) Um, She did have a question for us. Uh, And we do. We've still got five minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got time. What is the most terrifying paranormal experience you've had? Mm. Um... It would be, have to do with living humans. It wouldn't yeah, have to I've do... never had to run away from anything. But as I have mentioned before, I do not cope well with very, very dark places because I have very bad night vision. So um, I, I really struggle when it comes to very, very dark places. I need some light. So oh. that's about as frightening as I can get for you, Emmy. All oh, right, okay. And then you um, had a message from Shane, which I think is quite funny. Renata, please turn off your microphone when talking to people in the room. Oh, sorry, Renata. It was my YouTube replaying. I had multiple <laughs> windows open. <laughs> Shane. <coughs> All right, so what have we got left to do before we fly? Uh, pack. Apart from pack. Uh, be very nervous. Uh, we still have to record two episodes of Spooky Sundays mm-hmm. and we still have to record true, two True Hauntings episodes. Yeah, I don't know. We'll do it. Uh, we'll do it. We're, okay. we're um, multi-skilling, skill, skilling, skilling magical women. We can yeah. pull it out of our ass and do anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for joining us tonight, everyone. I'm not sure whether this is going to work now. We might have to manually operate the desk until the final minutes tick over. But it's Bon Voyage time. Don't forget, we will have shows lined up for you. So please come and support Spooky Sundays and listen in because we can see when you're not listening because the numbers drop. Yes, please, (laughs) please, please. Even if you put it on in the background uh, (laughs) and do what you need to do, but it will certainly help us. Um, as we move through into the future. Yeah, and yeah, if we keep our numbers up, we can attract a sponsor. Hopefully, yes. Fingers crossed. Okay, guys, we are going to say goodbye. Au revoir. Au revoir. Gute Nacht. Auf Wiedersehen. Uh, we shall see you Dobre back Arnold. in the studio live very soon. In the meantime, please catch us on all of our socials uh, as we stream as much as we can of our fabulous adventure to New Orleans. And please continue enjoying Spooky Sundays and True Hornings. Love you all. We'll see you on the dark side. Be frightfully good. And remember, yeah, don't, don't be, be a dickhead. dickhead. Bye, everyone. Most mysteries can be solved by looking at the facts. But sometimes the facts don't give us the answer. So it's time to call in Anne and Renata. Spooky Sundays, when the truth lies beyond a logical answer. Dive deep into the world of the unknown with real ghost stories and the unexplainable. Sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. It's Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Sunday from 8pm only on Newcastle Live.